The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, if someone's, mother, if someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, And they are the children of God because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Today in the Gospel, we have Sadducees who are encountering Christ. Now often, it might uh, be easy to confuse them with the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees are often the ones that Jesus is having conversations with, the Pharisees and the scribes. But today we have the Sadducees. And that actually puts us in a different place. To know the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Sadducees are um, normally priests. They're priests who are working in the temple area. They're offering up sacrifice. They're in the Holy of Holies. And they also only believe in the first five books of the Bible, um, of the Old Testament, right? The Pharisees, on the other hand, take in all of the, all of the Old Testament of what we have today, see all of that as the Word of God, and seek, instead of uh, just um, having the temple for worship, they really stress the importance of the whole law of God and living it out in every single aspect. So you have these two different groups that are leading the Jewish people and different understandings of the law and relationship um, and, and God. But one of the other major differences between the two is that the Sadducees, because they only believe in the first five books, don't see an explicit uh, belief in the resurrection of the body or even angels or the spiritual things. They believe in God, obviously, but they believe in a completely earthly and material existence. Whereas the Pharisees very much believe in the spiritual, angels, the resurrection of the body. So it's interesting that this question that's asking about the resurrection is brought to us by the Sadducees. And so what does that tell us? Well, this tells us that the Sadducees don't really care what Jesus answers. They're not really asking a question of interest. 
more of a question of a trap. How can I make Jesus and the Pharisees and all those who believe in the resurrection of the body realize how idiotic their belief is, right? By asking this question that has no good answer, right? Well, Jesus, of course, often gets these difficult questions and gets to the heart of it, sometimes by asking a question in response, and in this, que- in this time, by answering a deeper, which gets them out of the bide, okay? So who are they married to? Well, Jesus sets a new standard of what marriage is, a new understanding, which we continue within our Christian understanding, that marriage is this bond until death do you part. That marriage is not an eternal institution, that it in fact is an earthly one that has eternal ramifications, but is only earthly. But yet that doesn't mean that the eternal doesn't matter. I'll get to that a little bit early later. In the book of the Maccabees, which is the first reading, we see uh, another distinction, which I'll kind of use, is the difference between earthly understanding, which I would say the Pharisees kind of were stretching at, and an eternal understanding. An eternal understanding sees that my actions here are important, but they have more ramifications than just the earthly understanding, right? So we'd understand the eternal understanding of marriage is that it's important, but it has eternal ramifications and not just earthly ones of what we get out of it now. As opposed to earthly would say, well, as long as the marriage is helpful, I'll continue it. But otherwise, you know, what's ever here only, right? In the book of the Maccabees, we have another uh, encounter in kind of some way of what I would think is the modern world. So the modern world, kind of like the Sadducees, sometimes ask us questions, not because they genuinely want to know what the answer is, what our Catholic belief is or a Catholic understanding, but because they want to try to trap us. They try to want to make us sound like, I can't believe that you believe in that or that, or how would that work if you believe in that? And they're not really asking for questions. Well, we also have the other side of the spectrum of our culture today that wants us to just be normal. Just be normal. Why do you have to set yourselves apart? And this is where the first reading in the book of Maccabees comes about. The book of Maccabees, uh, there's a Jewish or uh, there's a Hellenistic uh, kind of Greek culture And the king who rules over Jerusalem and Egypt and other parts of the Middle East wants to be able to rule his kingdom in unity. And so one of the ways to be able to do that is to be able to unify your people in culture by the same worship of gods, right? If you all worship the same gods, you're connected and you're not as ready to rebel, right? If you speak the same language, if you have the same culture, if you eat the same things, if you have the same traditions... But if you have different traditions, if you have different languages, if you worship different gods, well, then there's problems, right? It's easy to rebel against it. And so during this time of the Maccabees, the king is trying to make everybody the same. Now you say, 
initial thought of our culture today, and we've, we've got such a diversity of people and things in so many different ways, but I would say even though that our culture values independence and individualism to such a great degree, they also don't. Even though that they talk about tolerance in its greatest degree and about how we need to accept everything of everybody and anything, they also don't understand what tolerance is. I would say that we've experienced already in the modern age, in many instances, a similar situation in this country of the Maccabees. Of being able to say, well, hey, Pork isn't that big. So what's happening is that they're trying to get them to just eat pork, right? If they eat pork, then they've given up their Jewish tradition and they're just like everybody else. Well, and they basically, they make this argument and in fact say to the mother and say, hey, why don't you just encourage your son to eat pork? It's it's not that big a deal. It's not going to kill him. But if he doesn't, we're going to have to kill him. And, and don't you want him to live, right? You don't want him to die. And so just eat the pork. It's It's okay. And the mother says, no, I would rather have him die than violate the law of God. Wow, right? (laughs) Wow, there's a strong mother, right? But what does that have for us today? Well, today the culture as well just continues to ask us to give up our Catholic faith and to say that our beliefs are ridiculous, right? Just become of one like everybody else, right? Worship the same gods. Eat the same food. Don't worry about it. God would understand. Well, yes, God does understand. (laughs) But not in the way that you think. Not in the way that nothing matters, but everything matters because there's eternal reality to what we do here on earth. And so when we think about eating eating fish on Friday, right? It, It matters. Is it the worst thing? Are you going to die and instantly be struck down if you have fish on, you know, Friday during Lent? No, but is it important to maybe not eat in order to be able to do that? Yeah. Is it a small thing? Yeah. Are there plenty of people who say don't worry about it? Yeah. One of the bigger things that we'd get to is contraception, right? The world just says, what's the big deal with contraception? Just, you know, you you need it. And so just, just use it, right? And we should have health care that provides it for everyone. And even if you don't use it, well, we need to provide it for everyone. And the Little Sisters of the Poor beautifully fought all the way to the Supreme Court to be able to fight and say, no, we're not going to just accept the world and the gods of what you have. Right? And they were willing to sacrifice everything and give up everything to be able to say, no, I'm not going to just go along with the world. And that kind of goes on to what, how we witness to the world. Do we witness to the world just by earthly example of showing, well, hey, it's important to pray because it brings a little bit of peace here and now and I feel better. Well, that's kind of an earthly understanding of why we pray or, or why we come to Mass. What's the eternal reality of this? Well, one of the great examples that Vatican II talked about is they talked about the witness, the example of religious life. Religious life, uh, 
which I'm, uh, it's kind of sad that we don't have as many religious uh, examples of religious sisters in our life anymore, right? The school across the way used to be filled with sisters, and you always saw religious sisters around, whereas that's not the case anymore, and that's a great loss to us. Because religious sisters reminded us of the eternal. In what way? Well, they had these things called the evangelical virtues. Vatican II talks about chastity, poverty, and obedience. And religious sisters take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience and live out an evangelical. By the very virtue of them having those things, they evangelize us to remind us of the eternal. Because an earthly poverty does not make any sense, right? But it makes eternal sense. Celibacy doesn't make any sense in this world, but it makes eternal sense, right? Points us to the eternity when marriage, when no one is given or taken in marriage. They foreshadow the spousal union to Christ in a way that we are ordered to in eternity. And in obedience, they remind us of the radical obedience that we're called to follow Jesus in all of our life, in the way that they are obedient to their superior and to those that are in charge of them. Now, I as a priest give certain witnesses to that as well. I try to live a simple life, although I have a motorcycle, right? I mean, not, I, I don't take a vow of poverty, so I, I don't have all of that. I do take a vow of, or a promise of celibacy, and so I have that, where I should be reminding those who are married that marriage is until death do you part, and that in fact we're ordered towards Christ ultimately in heaven, and also of obedience, that I make a promise of obedience to my bishop, not in the same way that religious do, but that I'm obedient to the bishop in what roles and what ways that he would have us do. Now, all religious or all uh, people are called to live out those evangelical virtues in what way that they have to be able to witness to the world. Because unfortunately, our world, more than laws, need witnesses of eternity. We don't need just responses of arguments like the Sadducees today and giving the answer in a, in a pharisaical way. But we need witnesses to the eternal, just like the seven brothers and the mother in the first reading today. Will we witness in our life that we're not just seeking earthly uh, in our religion, but we're seeking an eternal? In one way where that manifests, most especially, is, I think, within the family life, right? What is family life ordered to? Is it ordered towards an earthly existence? No, it's ordered towards an eternal. What is marriage? Marriage is ordered towards the unity of the couple, but also the procreation and education of children. And one great witness that we have today is of larger families, right? That it doesn't make any sense to have more than two children because that's what the world says, right? If you have a boy and a girl, then you're good. If you have three children, oh, you must have been trying for the other gender, right? If you have more than four children, well, you're just crazy, right? Yeah, we, we are a little bit crazy. I'm not saying that everybody has to have large families. It's not about that. But it is about giving witness to something more. That it's not just 
what we're comfortable with, but it should make us a little bit uncomfortable. Now, there are reasons and just cause for refraining from having more children. Yes. I don't want to say that. And if somebody doesn't have children, it doesn't mean that they're not open to children, right? But we want to also continue to give witness in our families, in religious life, in the priesthood, and in this parish here, not to just earthly goods, but to the eternal goods that don't make sense in this earth. And so may we also worship the Eucharist, which is not an earthly good, but an eternal good, something that doesn't make sense in this earth. And may we continue to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice to God for a witness to the entire world that so desperately needs witnesses today.